When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. This episode is brought to you by Smart Food Popcorn. Some decisions aren't the best, like skipping ahead in your favorite podcast. Think of all the banter you'll miss. The lore in the making. Luckily, Smart Food Popcorn is a no-brainer. Deliciously tasty and available in a variety of fun flavors. It's a smart decision. Every time. Smart Food. Add smart. To learn more, visit smartfood.com. Hey listeners, this is Bob. Jumping in before I get into the story today, just to give you a content warning. This story will involve discussions about pregnancy and pregnancy complications, will involve discussions about hospitalization, surgery, and recovering from surgery, and we will also be discussing some mental health topics, specifically talking about anxiety and panic-related mental health issues. If any of this sounds like something that you don't need to hear today, that you don't want to think about or listen to, go ahead and skip the rest of this episode. I'm so sorry, but I hope you're doing well. I hope you're taking care of yourself, and, uh, you know, we'll see you on the next one. No worries. Good evening, gentle listener, and welcome to Decidable, a Wood Elf production. This week, Prophetic Wade gets wet while dogging, Mark has a life-threatening knee boo-boo, and Bob gets real and explains the fear only a father can know as he watches the love of his life and his unborn child go through hell. An eye-opening episode like no other. Yes, it's time for Bob's Baby. Now, sit back and prepare to be distracted and enlightened and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of your favorite podcast, Distractable. If it's not your favorite podcast yet, we probably missed our chance, but that's okay. You're still here (laughs) listening, so... Can't be too mad about it, right? Man, this is the most indifference kind of like let down ever. <laughs> like, it's okay. Hey, you can if you want to, but it's fine podcast, okay? It's very serviceable podcast. Oh, if you hate right. our podcast, Little. then here's the door. Thank you for coming. You can leave. We won't oh, try to win you back at all. I was encouraging anyone to leave. Yeah. I was just thanking them for listening despite somehow this not being their favorite podcast. It's like when you're boarding a plane and they're like, there are exits back there, there, there. You can uh-huh. you can exit, case, but it doesn't mean you have to. It's a very good plane. In case there's a podcast emergency, mm-hmm. there are exits over the wings and at the front, and there's one um, by the toilet. What qualifies as a podcast emergency? <laughs> it's listening to us. <laughs> I don't think that is alone as no. a hazard. No, it's We're not uh, a radioactive podcast here. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not Turing Turing tested. That's not how you test a radioactiveness. <laughs> We're approaching emergency. Oh man, uh, just delete everything I'm saying. The line is like bouncing up. Welcome <laughs> to another episode. They jumped in early. I didn't even get to say that I'm your host, Bob, uh-huh. and that uh, my co-hosts are here and/or competitors, even though. Spoiler alert, today it might not be super competitive. 
Uh, but you know, at some point they'll probably earn points. Uh, Mark and Wade are here. Hello, Ooh. what's up, John? Hi. Hello. Hi, I'm here. I can't wait. Uh -huh. We're going couch co-op podcast today. Yep. Mm -hmm. Pretty much. PVE podcast. That's yeah, definitely true. Anyway, uh, it's been another uh, stretch of time since we've been together, fellas. How's it going? Did you all survive oh, all the good. rains in California where we all live? I nearly didn't. You nearly didn't. I nearly didn't. Did you almost drown in a puddle? I had no issues at all. I almost died. I did not. I want to hear Wade's story. All right. All right. <laughs> so uh, it got a little bit chillier here in Cincinnati, California, and then it got a little bit warmer, and it rained about, I don't know, one inch over three days. It was very dire straits, and uh, there was really no stress or problems whatsoever. It was very nice. Actually, pretty great weather. Wow. Great story. I know. Just like that. And Mark, what happened to you? Well, you know, I almost died. All <laughs> oh, right, that's really... That's, that's oh, not please it. tell us <laughs> care for my life. I feel it in this room what, here. What, what happened? I thought, yeah, I thought it us. wasn't so bad. I thought it was yeah. just raining. No, no, no. I almost died. There I was on the road in the middle of a torrential downpour. Uh -huh. Water gushing left and right. I'm on my bicycle, desperately pedaling upstream. Barely fighting against the current. Can't really make it all the way up there. And then out of nowhere, I guess flowing down the river of this <laughs> setup I've, I've created, a lady <laughs> paddling her dog like a boat down the raging rapids. And I swerve out of the way and uh, uh, is going at an incredible speed, an outstanding, outlandish speed of several, several miles an hour. Um, and then I fell over and I scraped my knee a little bit. Aww. If there was so much water that ladies were paddling their dogs. Why were the hell were you on a bike? Uh, look, I'm dizzy from the impact. I, I can't really recall. Things are so foggy, but also shut up. It's my world. Yeah, yeah no, you're right. Go on, tell us. You know, all right, fine. I did. Ugh. I don't tell you. I told you. Oh, great. All right, good. Told us. God, now that's over. Bob, do you have anything exciting to add to that? <laughs> I bruised my hip a bit. It hurt. It hurt. I just bruised your ego. What happens? It hurt. Did anyone see you fall down and laugh at you? Because that's the real pain. Uh, it was actually quite nice because the lady, like I was embarrassed because I just fell over. But this one car like pulled up and I swear this guy leaned out the window with the most worried expression. Like if you looked up a definition, <laughs> like picture of someone worried, he looked like I was bleeding out. And it, it, made, it was so worried that I thought I was horribly <laughs> mangled and I didn't realize it because he stops his car, like screeches. He's in the other lane. He's like, Skrr! and he leans, rolls down the window. He's like, are you all right? And I'm like, am I? I don't know. Am I? <laughs> <laughs> Am I okay? I was Look, hoping he would follow it up with, are you all right? You're riding a bike in a terrible storm. What's wrong with you? <laughs> you know, he was driving his, his car boat down the raging <laughs> rapids. He dropped anchor right next to me. <laughs> shouted down from the gangplank. Oh, yeah. Be ye all right. Driving his car boat up the road river. Mm -hmm. I love the amphibious Honda Civic. He dropped his <laughs> brake anchor right next to me. Breaker. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Anyway, so I, uh, I I survived and I pedaled home and I sniffled a little bit, but I didn't cry. Ah, oh, somebody was a big boy. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a dad now, so I talk like that. I think you talked like that before, but I can't confirm it. Uh, what? No, what are you talking? No, I'm 
That was funny before. Now I'm just a dad. It rained so hard here that I took the dogs outside, and when I'm waiting for them to pee and poop, I came back in, and I was somewhat wet. Mm. Well, life is hard for everyone. Yeah. Good, good small talk, boys. I think we all come out on top of that. And for such an engaging and harrowing and life-threatening story, two points for Wade. Thank you. It was really difficult. Good, good try, Mark, but it was a little overproduced. All right, that's fair enough. Will, damn you for adding <laughs> in the production value <laughs> to my story. Ah, <laughs> uh, well... Anyway, those will be the last laughs. Wow, I almost just bit my tongue. Uh, ever? The last laughs in today's episode. Uh, oh. There should be some funny parts. Point out the exits. Point out the exits, just in the case. Exits are uh, at the. Imagine I'm doing the weird hand arm thing where they hold their arms too close together and then indicate with their fingers. The exits are over my shoulders, by the front, and then over the wings. And also, just punch a hole in the window and jump out if you need to. Hmm. Do we need to remain seated? Yes, that's a terrible metaphor, guys. It's dead. The plane crashed. It's dead. When I was, that's a much better metaphor. Okay, great. No one survived okay. except for us. Now let's do this podcast. It's too late to escape. There's no no accents on this. You're just here now. Uh, today I've asked special permission. Instead of hosting some sort of competition where I keep a kind of score and arbitrarily pick a winner at the end, I'm going to tell a story. And this is not going to be like the fridge story where I was so unbelievably angry that everything was funny, even if it was something that wasn't that funny. Uh, this is the story of how my son James was born and about all the special things that happen or can happen when a woman is pregnant and about to give birth and actually doing the giving birth part uh, that nobody tells you about. Mm-hmm. I was prepared by television and pop culture to do a lot of waiting at the hospital to just sort of stand around and, and you know, hold Mandy's hand and... For it to be a whole thing where she basically did it and I just sort of watched and brought her ice chips and held her hand and was like, you can do it. Remember, you're breathing. And, uh, spoiler alert, that's not really how it went. What? I don't know how common our experience, our experience, Manny's experience is compared to the rest of the world. But, uh, yeah, no, it's, a, it's a little bit of a twisty story, mm. I will say. I'm assuming it's uh, this is obviously the sequel to Bob's Fridge, as we all know. So everyone get your popcorn, prepare for hilarity and uh, lots of bumbling delivery men. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) This one called Bob's Life, Bob's Wife, Bob's Baby, BB, BB. I know. I think you need more letters than that. I don't Mm. know. It's it's the it's the story of James. His Mm. name is James, by the way. All right. For anyone who didn't know that. Good name. Yeah. Strong name. Family name. Family name. This episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. Mint Mobile, Mint Mobile, Mint Mobile. Everyone loves Mint Mobile, and it's time for more Mint Mobile, Mint Mobile. If you say a word too much, it doesn't sound like a word anymore. Mint Mobile, Mint Mobile, Mint Mobile. Mint Mobile, Mint Mobile. Mint Mobile. Did you know Mint Mobile has unlimited talk and text? Everyone knows Mint Mobile has unlimited talk, text, and data plans for $15 a month when you buy a three-month plan. Everyone knows it. Everyone knows you can save with Mint Mobile. M-I-N-T-M-O-B-I-L-E dot com slash distractible. Use distractible. Use the slash distractible. To get this new customer offer, go to mintmobile.com slash distractible. That's M-I-N-T-M-O-B-I-L-E dot com slash D-I-S-T-R-A-C-T-I-B-L-E. $45 upfront payment required equivalent to $15 a month for the first three months only. Speed slower than 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details.
I do want to start this. A lot of people may know this. I want to start this by saying that Mandy was really sick for her entire pregnancy, which was not a thing that either of us knew could happen. I think I talked to you guys about this a lot, but you know how morning sickness is like a thing, right? That they yeah. show in movie and TVs. Mandy essentially had morning sickness starting around the second-ish month of being pregnant, except she had it all day, every day, and for the entire pregnancy. That sounds terrible. She was effectively, like, bedridden. And some days it would not be so bad. There was there was a medicine that they gave her that helped with the nausea, but sometimes it didn't do anything. And like she literally could not stand up, even sit upright. Food was not an option. There was a stretch where she basically subsisted on water if she could drink it, and then like Powerade because that was the only thing that she could keep down. Uh, so bad start. Yeah, not how I thought pregnancy was going to be. Yeah, thanks, thought, James. Yeah, well, it was his fault. He's a real jerk. <laughs> If you're listening to this years in the future, James. I'm sure he will. This will last the test of time. Can I ask a Decades. quick question before we continue, though? Uh-huh. The name James, is it from whenever we played uh, that game with Sean and we were reading the notes and we always ended with James? I know. don't think. What, that, are, what are you even talking about? That It's that one where you're all getting books to put in the circles and then you burn the books in the circles we were, and there were a the bunch Western. of notes. Like, oh, yeah. It was yeah. like the Western I, thing with the guy with the gun and we read the notes. It's like... Sincerely, James. James. I would name my child after that uh, for certainly. What a powerful memory for you, both you and Mandy. It was a close call between that and also it's my dad's middle name. And it's kind of a family name. Ah, two birds, one stone. Yeah. Interesting. So your dad's from the West. <laughs> yeah, that's implied by what I said. Great. You could, say even, you could even say it's strongly implied. He's from the West. <laughs> yeah, the West. <laughs> the West. Sure. Sure, sure. <laughs> All right, fair All right. Look, so the pregnancy was rough, and there were some other twists and turns, but finally Mandy got to the end, and uh, it started kind of weird. I sort of thought, you know, when you get to the end of a pregnancy, you just you start to have the baby, you know, your water breaks, whatever. Dramatic drive to the hospital, boom. Uh, it got to the end, and because of Mandy's situation, they, were, they didn't want to let her just wait. They wanted to get the baby out, but they didn't schedule a day. They... They were like, well, starting on this date, you're going to get a call from the hospital at some point. It could be up to a week or two weeks after that date. Any day, any time, just expect a call where they're going to be like, okay, come to the hospital. It's time to have a baby. Wait, I thought you had to wait for the water to break. Then you went in. They scheduled no, the water they, breaking? They scheduled-ish a time for her to come in and be induced. Okay. You can they have they have medicine and stuff they can do to to make you start ha make a woman start having uh the baby. And if the water broke before that, you would just go in earlier. They were like, "Oh, sorry, your appointment's not for another 2 weeks." <laughs> yeah. Show up and they're like, "No, no, no. You know the time." Can you just hold it for a while? Thanks. <laughs> can you just hold that back in there? Here's a bottle of Dasani. Just put some of that in there, top it up. Come back in a week. Your shower have one of those standard <laughs> plugs that keeps the water from draining. Just put that in there. Keep the baby in. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Mm. Probably. Oh, well, luckily we didn't have to experience that, but I don't know. It was weird. It was scheduled, but there wasn't a date. Anyway, we're waiting for them to call us and tell us to come to the hospital. And as we're literally on the way to a doctor's appointment, because at the end of the pregnancy, they wanted to see Mandy like every week to just check the baby and check her vitals and stuff. We're sitting in the parking lot outside of the doctor about to go in. And we get the call from the hospital that's like, all right, we have a, like a room ready for you. Come in. And this hospital is not close to our house. This hospital is 40, eh, 35-ish minutes away. Because somehow, even though California is one of the most populated places, and I live 
We live in the East Bay, well, east of the Bay, and uh, it's an extremely populated area. There is no hospital within half an hour of our house. That seems scary. How is that possible? Hmm. So anyway, it, we have to like go home from the doctor, get our bags and stuff, put them in the car and go to the hospital. And we do that. It's exciting. It's time to go and, and to have the baby. It's very exciting. And by the time we get to the hospital, it's like almost an hour later because we have to do all that stuff. We, we walk up and uh, after we've done the extensive security process, which is just awesome, uh, finally we get inside and the nurse is like, oh, to me is like, oh, well, you have to wait outside for a while. And where have you been? We've been waiting for you. We, all, we almost gave your room away. What are you doing? And we were like, you, you called us less like an hour ago. <laughs> We were what doing security stuff. process is there to get into a hospital, dude. Getting into a hospital is like getting it's like visiting someone in prison. Whoa, really? There is nowhere in the hospital that you can go where you're not like buzzed through a door with a badge with your picture on it that says why you're there and all this stuff. It has a date on it and they expire. It's not yeah. like armed guards everywhere. It's just you know it's like security people, but it's it's like that. It's crazy. I imagine it's even worse for like a maternity ward just because of the nature of what's going on in there and the, the kind of people that are crazy. Babies are very dangerous. They must protect everyone from the babies escaping. Because <laughs> of the babies. <laughs> Armed guards at every door to keep those babies from getting out. You know the true nature of babies. We can't unleash that on the world. It's like Batman <laughs> Begins. The doctor is looking at a baby like, we gotta get you out of here, it's dangerous. And he's like, they're trapped in here with me. <laughs> Okay, so high security, I didn't know high security hospitals were a thing. I learned something today. I didn't either. And it was like, it wasn't awful, but it was a lot, right? Because if, mm. and there, and there are COVID limits on visitors and stuff also. So like both of our parents were in town to see the baby. So they wanted to meet him as soon as possible. Only two people could visit at a time, which means that I couldn't be in there with both of either of our parents. So I had to like tag people out at the security door and be like, I'm leaving this room and they're going into this room. So there's not too many people in it. And the security person would like call and then call someone else. And then after a while, be like, all right, you two can go in. You don't go in there. You get out of here. It's like a, it's like a whole thing. It was a weirdly unpleasant part of it. That wasn't a big deal, but it was kind of annoying. But anyway, we finally get to the hospital. <sighs> And we're like, this is cool. They show us to, well, they put Mandy in a room and eventually they bring me back and show us the room. There's like a big bed for Mandy and a little bed for the baby and a dad couch for the me. And it's cool. You know, like this is not so bad. I was expecting that I would have to just like sleep on the floor or I don't know. But it's a nice room. And theoretically, if everything goes correctly, Mandy would go through labor, give birth in that room. Then they'd put the baby over in the little baby bed and that would be great. And at some point, once he's born and everything's cool, they would move us over to the like recovery room where you just hang out with your baby for a day or two after you're, you give birth to make sure everyone's healthy and you go home. So we were like, this room is sweet. It's big, it's spacious. We have our own thermostat. It's not bad. The couch even turned into a bed. So we were optimistic. Unfortunately, this room is also the beginning of the chapter I've decided to call the bad part. Oh boy. So we're, we're settling into this. Part, is that the name on the plaque above the door? It's just like in red lettering with dripping red blood, the bad part. In my mind palace, this story, this part of the story lives in an elevator where when the doors open, blood rushes out. <laughs> oh, God. 
Oh, uh, if you're eating food, this is your time to put down that sandwich. I and, thought uh, that's a shining. Calm down. This shining reference. They're all driving. They're not eating sandwiches at the same time. That would be far too dangerous. They're all driving. No. Yeah, they're all driving just to see what happens. Did you see the post? Sorry, the side trick. There was someone that actually posted the, like a picture of a their car, and it was just like, yeah, I actually got in an accident listening to this podcast hey. because it's so hilarious. The risks. Please don't do that. Such a great podcast only good things happen <laughs> wait i don't think it. it was a choice <laughs> don't do, don't oh, do the that podcast forced its way they, onto their radio while they were driving they heard a joke and they were like i'm gonna choose to crash <laughs> <laughs> i don't think that was the part <laughs> they didn't tell me where the emergency exit was ha 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 take that bridge do not drive do not operate machinery sharp in fact don't operate anything of any kind yeah we're don't equivalent. eat don't drink don't even listen while you're listening our podcast is equivalent to powerful muscle relaxants so just like beware <laughs> uh well until you know how it affects you at least yeah so we're settling into this room and it's super great and we're really excited for it and that is the bad part um so mandy's body tends to react pretty strongly to medications. Just meaning like, you know, if there's a painkiller, it will it will hit her really hard. It will make her extra sleepy or or whatever. Make her she'll feel it. But also her body tends to like getting all the little side effects that that, you know, drugs frequently have listed with them, but not a lot of people might get. So we know this about Mandy. It's just sort of how her physiology works or whatever. And so to start inducing her to have the baby because she's not naturally starting to have contractions and stuff yet. They give her this medicine that is supposed to start the process of having the baby. It just tells your body to like start doing all the stuff it's supposed to do to get the baby out of there. And she starts having contractions, which is great. And they're setting her all up. And uh, the contractions start to be like a lot. Not painful, actually. She wasn't in too much pain, uh, but they were like almost constant eventually. It kept happening, and they're not really supposed to do that. They're supposed to, like, you know, be some minutes in between. Maybe five, ten minutes, maybe longer. Sometimes they might be, you know, a couple minutes apart. But at this point, they're not, as far as I know, they're not really supposed to be that close together. She was having back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back contractions. And it, it wasn't too bad because, like I said, it wasn't too painful. She could just kind of tell it's contracting. But what can happen when you have contractions too frequently is it can lead to the baby inside of uh, the mom having D-cells, which is short for uh, heart rate decelerations, which is not good. Sounds bad. Hmm. Baby's heart rate's supposed to be like between like 130 to 160, which is super fast, but it's supposed to be really fast, right? And and most of the time when he was checked out previously, his heart rate was like in the 150s-ish. But so Manny started to have these contractions and they just kept happening, kept adding. And eventually the, the baby was on a heart monitor. Eventually he, said he had a D-cell. And uh, the nurse kind of looked and was like, hmm, that's a problem. But she kind of like moved Mandy around. Maybe he had, you know, gotten a bad position. Who knows? And she kind of worked on it for a minute. And eventually the D-cell went away on its own. It was a little like stressful, but went away. Baby went back to normal. Totally fine. It wasn't like painful on Mandy when this was happening, but it, it like triggered a, a like an adrenaline response almost. It gave her like really like panicky feeling. And it obviously does not help when you're stressed out and you're worried that your baby is having trouble. But it was okay. Eventually it went away on its own. And we were like, whew, 
All right, that's enough of that. Let's just hang out. It's going to be, you know, 12 to 24 hours, maybe longer before Mandy's ready to give birth. This is about to be the longest part, the part that's really painful because it goes on and on and Mandy keeps having more painful contractions. That's what's supposed to happen. We were mentally preparing for a long time of being in this room and helping Mandy get through, you know, a long labor and then to delivery. And we did that for about 20 minutes until the next D-cell happened. And this time his heart rate went like really slow. His normal range is like 130 to 160, like I said. His heart rate was down in like the 30s. Not the 130s, the 30s? The, the, the 30s. The 30s. Like 30s. the double digits. And what was the normal? 130 to 160 is the normal range for, for a fetal heart rate. Right. Yeah, 30 is pretty, pretty low. That seems pretty bad. That's yeah, so low. that's not great. And so the nurse, again, calmly was like, hmm problem and started moving Manny around but this time it didn't get better and at some point the nurse was like mm, it's not getting better and like literally called in the cavalry where it was me Mandy and one nurse in the room up to this point and the nurse came and went and was doing other stuff but she came you know was helping us helping Mandy taking care of her and at this point she called the cavalry and like five or six more nurses rushed in and three doctors rushed into the room and they like circled around Manny and politely, but firmly were like, please back up to me. They were like, get, get in your corner, stay back, get out of the way. And this was like way more stressful than the first time. This is not a casual thing where it's like, oh, that's not good. Let's fix that. This is like a horde of medical professionals rush into the room. They're doing stuff. One of them's doing the something with Manny's IV. A couple of them are trying to move Manny around. One of them's like doing, you know, doing some scans or whatever with a medical device of some sort. It's a lot of action. And the doctors are, the nurses are the ones actually doing everything. The doctors are standing back kind of by me, kind of looking and looking at each other and talking and being like, hmm, do you think we're going to, we don't need to do that yet. Hmm. Okay. Let's give her a couple minutes. Soon him. You know, like low talking in a way where I'm standing there, not really hearing what they're saying, but kind of watching and being like, what the fuck are you doing? What's happening? Yeah. Is this okay? Uh, and so that's awful. That was, there were some moments where Mandy and I met eyes and we're kind of both like, what is happening? Holy shit. Until the rest of what happened happened. That was probably one of the scarier moments of my life right there. Because we're like, who, you know, is this, is Mandy okay? Is the baby okay? No one's really saying a lot because they're all really busy doing their job, which they, I have to say, all the nurses and doctors did an excellent job. They are like fantastic. They were amazing. I have my issues with Kaiser and we've talked about healthcare in general before and stuff like that. The actual people in the hospital were amazing. They did fantastic work. So, like, cheers to them. But Manny and I are standing here not really sure if someone is in life and death peril or if it's going to be fine or what. That happened for, like, 10... It felt like an hour, but I think it happened for, like, 10 or 15 minutes. Eventually, they got the heart rate back up for the baby, and everyone kind of took a breath, and the doctors were like, okay, and and just left the room, and the nurses slowly made their way out. And at this point, the basic theory was, we don't know why that's happening. It's probably fine. It shouldn't happen again. He seems fine. That's a good theory. Oh, good. Yeah. So, you know, that's comforting. Um, mm -hmm. And everything went back to normal for maybe half an hour. It felt like a second because, again, out of nowhere, it felt like a, a five seconds later, another D-cell started happening. And it was immediately like, call the cavalry. This is a bad sign. What the hell keeps happening? Everyone rushes back in. They start doing more stuff. And this time the doctors are way more concerned. They're looking and they're like, we don't really know why this is happening. We're very confused about this. And at this time, at some point, the baby moved and they weren't able to get a heart rate reading of him. 
the, the way they, they check his heart rate is they basically strap a thing on the outside of mom's belly, and that, like, gives the baby's heart rate by just sensing it through her belly and stuff. They couldn't find him. So the heart, the baby heart rate monitor was just, like, flatlined at zero, and a couple nurses were frantically moving the sensor around, and everyone was kind of just standing, watching, as the nurses were like, we can't get it. We can't find him. I'm not sure about this. So we don't even know what's happening right now. We don't know if the baby's okay or what. And I was like, okay, this is the worst part. This is just awful. So much worse than before. And finally, they're like, we're going to try this thing. We're going to take this huge needle and stick it up into where the baby is and basically pop the bag uh, that he's in because he, the baby up inside of mom's uterus is in a sack filled with fluid, right? When your water breaks, what's happening is the sack that the baby is in with all the fluid uh, that he floats in, that breaks, the fluid rushes out, and that is, you know, leading towards giving birth. Mandy is nowhere near giving birth at this point. She is, you know, a, I think two centimeters dilated at this point, maybe, and you're supposed to get up to like 10 to give birth. And they're like, we're going to take this huge needle and stick it up in there and pop the baby balloon. Mm. And then we're going to take this other huge stick and this circle thingy and stick it up in there and put a thing right on the baby's head. Without being able to see anything, by the way. They just did it wow. by feel, because you can't see up inside the mom. That's not how the anatomy works. Uh. And they were like, there's almost no risk to this. There are some risks. But it's probably fine. We do this, you know, we do this regularly. It's okay. So they do that because we can't get the baby's heart rate. And we're like, God, I hope he's alive still. Do the thing. And they do that, and they get his heart rate back. And it's still decelerating, or decelerated, I guess. And they do some more stuff. And finally, after just screwing around and getting to the point where the doctors started to talk to me about emergency C-sections, and they were sort of like coming over to me and they're like, we might have to do this. It's going to be fine. But we, if we make the decision, we're basically going to sprint out of here and rush your wife straight to an operating room. It's an emergency procedure, so we have no time to like explain it. So just so you know, if we decide to do that, the room will be empty in like 30 seconds and we'll be taking good care of your wife. Don't worry. I'm like, yeah, good. That sounds like a thing I wouldn't worry about. Why would I be worried about that? That sounds great. Yeah, easy, Ugh. easy stuff. Yeah. So obviously in my head, I was like, okay, well, this is the worst part. And I hope they don't do the emergency C-section because that's an incredibly dangerous thing. As far as complications and mortality around uh, giving birth, emergency C-sections cause and or lead to all of the highest mortality rate complications that can happen when you're giving birth. Uh, a lot of the most dangerous stuff is excessive bleeding, infections. I don't remember all the things, but like emergency C-section is the main thing Mandy and I had talked about. We wanted to avoid. We wanted to do everything to keep that from happening because that presented the most danger to both her and the baby. So we're back in the room and the doctor's like, okay, well, we're like, we're, we have to decide in the next couple minutes if she doesn't get better. And right as they were about to make the call and sprint her out of the room, the baby chilled out and his heart rate went back up and Manny sort of calmed down. She had been in incredible stress and like panic and some pain from all this, but he chilled out and the doctors were like, all right, that seems good. We don't know what we did. I don't think we fixed anything, but he's he's fine now. Oh, yeah. Did they leave in the exact same manner? They were like, all right, this was a lot scarier, but uh, we're done. See you in a bit. They did. They they straight up did. The doctors <laughs> looked and were like, ah, I guess we can go and, and skittered away. And the nurses all sort of filtered out. Mm -hmm. And uh, the nurse, our nurse, who was like the one who was supposed to be taking care of our room in the on the floor or whatever. Uh, was like, okay, well, if she could just chill out for a while and the baby could stop doing that, it's almost time for uh, the epidural. Mm -hmm. 
which is the thing where they numb like the bottom half of the woman's body. Mm. So it makes it, instead of incredibly painful, it makes it more like incredibly uncomfortable when the contractions are happening and when she's trying to push the baby out and stuff. Really doesn't completely take away the sensation of pain and discomfort, but it makes it bearable. More bearable, anyway, is the point. I've I've had an epidural before, so I oh, can yeah. attest How to this. Oh yeah, how was it? It was fine. It's actually worked out really well. It's a uh, things that people probably don't understand too well they actually tap into your spine and so they pick a uh, spinal column piece mm -hmm. and they stick a needle in there and then they inject a local anesthetic and a painkiller into that specific nerve and it basically makes everything below that not really feely very much yeah but with my case they put too much not was it paralytic or uh and i like my legs weren't working properly which isn't supposed to happen um, uh, yeah no that's not that's weird <laughs> Yeah, but it's actually not in the bloodstream. So I, and I'm not a medical professional, but I believe in the case of childbirth, it's less likely or extremely unlikely or doesn't get into the baby's bloodstream at all. I think something like that. I'm fairly sure. Wouldn't you damage a nerve by stabbing it with something? You don't, I guess I don't know you how don't it works. stab the nerve itself. What do you stab? <laughs> you stab into the area where the nerve is. Oh. I have some thoughts about that process, though. How how was it getting get, having them put the thing into your back, Mark? Because thankfully I, I was. I watch them do it to Mandy. Okay, I was asleep. That's yeah. good. <laughs> uh, it's not a great process because I understood before this what an epidural was. And so it's basically like putting, it's more complicated and delicate, but it's basically similar to putting an IV in, right? You stab with a needle and then that over that needle, you feed a little like plastic tube and then that plastic tube delivers the medicine directly into the little hole that you made. How do they get it into her back if she's pregnant and laying on her back? They made her sit up and then arch her back forward so that her, her back was like a big stretched out arch. And then they are just like... Sit real still, stabbing your nerves. But also, the process of finding the right spot was way less precise than I would have thought. <laughs> I, I watched, they didn't let me watch from the side where they were doing the stabbing. I was in front of Mandy, so I couldn't see. But the anesthesiologist comes in, and they call an anesthesiologist because it's a difficult and important procedure to do correctly. And they get it all set up, and they sterilize her back, and then they put a dressing over and stuff, all this stuff, to make a sterile field on in the area. And then the anesthesiologist just took a needle and started poking Mandy's back and was like, you know, was like, poke? And does that hurt? And Mandy is like, yeah. Uh, and the anesthesiologist was like, okay. Okay, wrong spot, wrong spot. Uh, poke somewhere else. Does that hurt? <laughs> Mandy is like, well, less, but yeah. Okay, it's like you're poking my back. They did that for like 10 minutes. <laughs> they were just God. like, poke. Oh, that hurts. Uh, poke. Oh, that hurts more. Sorry. Uh, poke, 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 poke until they find one where it doesn't hurt. And, and it doesn't, Mandy doesn't feel it in their legs or anything. They kept asking her questions. And then when they find the right spot, they're like, all right, that's the spot. And they mark it. And then they do the epidural. Mandy's bruise on her back from getting the epidural, like several days after uh, when we were trying to leave the hospital, was like six inches around. It was a big bruise. Yeah, heesh. And that's not how I would have thought you would do that in such a delicate area as the spine, where you're just like, poke, poke. Does that hurt? Ah, darn it. That does seem relatively barbaric. I don't think that's standard procedure. I'm going to go off on a limb and say, like, they know what spine piece they're looking for. And there's like a place to what would they gain from knowing what hurt? Well, so what it seemed like she was doing is she was trying to find like the center of something. She started off and was like poking around on the left side and then found kind of the edge of that. 
and then went over to the other side and was kind of doing the same thing. And eventually what she was aiming for was a specific, some piece of anatomy or whatever in the middle of that area where Mandy didn't feel the pain. Presumably is where she wasn't hitting any nerves that were running down Mandy's spine. And it was like, I don't know, it was like a, you know, an artery or something that where the medicine was supposed to go. But it just was a really concerning thing to watch. It didn't bring a lot of confidence. And also, like, after the anesthesiologist finished doing this and put the tube in and got it all set up, she then gives, like, a test dose of the drugs and is like, let's see if it works. Let me know if your legs start to get numb. You know, and it takes, like, 10 or 15 minutes. So you're sitting there like, are your legs numb? No? Okay, just keep waiting. God, I hope it's in the right hole or whatever. <laughs> but I get why they don't. I mean, aside from it being sterile and I couldn't go where the sterile field was, I get why they don't want the dads to watch. It didn't seem like a great process. I feel like they could refine that one a little bit. Yeah, that doesn't seem like how I would have expected it. I thought they would just like have some super bed that's got like a hole underneath pre-planned for applying the epidural. And it's like, okay, just lay down, stay comfortable. We're just going to unscrew this little spot. We're going to stab in the epidural and you're good to go. Uh, Not lean forward, pretend you're trying to touch your toes while also there's a baby in the way. Now we're going to hammer your back for 10 minutes. Oh, this might be it here. Let's get another 15 minutes while I just wait and see. If we're not numbing your legs, something will be numb. I hope it's not something important. Look, man, people think that medicine is a lot more elegant than it is. It's really pretty barbaric, some of the things you have to do, because doctors don't have green Healy goop in the back, you know? They kind of just like stop the red life goop from getting out of your body and hope your body knows what it needs to do to make that not happen anymore that's kind of like the entirety of medicine well in the hope that the chemicals they slurry in there all mixed <laughs> together real good and don't do any crazy stuff yeah i like to think there's a cauldron in the back and they just add ingredients stir it up and they put it in a needle like yeah this is what they need hopefully we didn't have eye of newt but hopefully eye of uh, salamander works instead dude that's literally it except they have more technical names for it the injection of theseus Ius <laughs> salamanderus you know, they thought it, you would have figured it out a while, a few hundred years ago, but when they discovered blood types, you know, before that, it was real weird. Yeah, sometimes people just got bad blood. <laughs> you put blood in and it don't, it gets not blood. That's weird. Is that what that Taylor Swift song is about? I didn't realize that was about medicine. Yes, it's actually a historical song going back in time. Well, that song was about robbing banks. You do a, you do a blood injection and the person gets worse and you're like, ah, now we got bad blood. Mm. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> if only there was a way to check that. Well, so this is not related to our uh, birth story at all, but I learned in researching all of this and preparing for uh, what was going to happen, apparently not preparing well enough, but trying to, tribes on the continent of Africa have apparently been giving totally successful C-sections since like the 19th century. I don't know the details because I'm not a medicine person and also I didn't continue to try and research down that hole because I didn't think that applied to Mandy's pregnancy, hopefully. But apparently the white guy who discovered C-sections, uh, Mr. Caesarian or whoever his, whatever his name is, uh, went to Africa and saw them do it and was like, holy shit, you just cut that lady open and took the baby out and she's fine. We, we don't even know how to do that with our fancy Western medicine. I don't know the details, but I thought it was fascinating. Literally hundreds of years ago, tribes were doing midwives and tribes in Africa were capable of doing a C-section, surgically removing a baby, and both the mother and the baby would survive and recover and be just fine, which is wild. I wonder if they applied the epidural the same way. <laughs> 
They they really got nailed it down with one one prick epidural. They probably had beds with holes in them. They they figured it out. It's the it's the bed hole. You're right. They had the super beds long long ago. They mastered that actually. We've lost the art. But anyway, I just thought that was an interesting medical fact because that means that they were doing surgery, uh, which basically predated a lot of successful, you know, sort of Western medicine, surgical techniques and stuff. Very interesting. Yeah, that's a long time ago to be doing that kind of operation and it turning out okay, at least in my head, considering how barbaric medicine is now with apparently all the knowledge and technology we have. Yep. Well, that's your historical medical fun fact of the day. But uh, unfortunately, we have to go back to the epidural. Which definitely worked, right? The first time. Uh, you yeah, know didn't what? You hear? It ended up being totally fine. All of, all of the the process of the epidural made me super uncomfortable, but it ended up working perfectly. Her legs got numb, and then they started giving her the full dose of the drugs, and uh, and so the epidural was in, and that was going to stay in until the baby was born. And so we come to the end of the chapter that is called the bad part. Hmm. Oh, good. Okay, so the bad part's over with. So sure. logically speaking, this must be the good part. Obviously. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm glad the bad part's over with. That's why the next chapter is titled, of course, The Badder Part. <laughs> no, no, come on. <laughs> no one saw that coming. Oh, no one boy. would have seen that coming. Uh. I was hopeful that it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, well, of course. It's not over. It never ends. That's the last thing I have written on my... Uh, my notes for this, by the way, is just kidding. It never ends because now there's a baby in my house. <laughs> Turns out you bring that home with you. And then there's a whole other set of things that happens. So uh, epidural worked. Then we just cut to baby in house. Now it's worse. Yep. That's the whole story. Wow. No. Yeah. So the batter part, the next part. So like the epidural worked, her legs went numb and they started giving her the, the regular dose of the medicine. And so she was going to be in, you know, almost no pain at that point because the contractions were not getting very painful yet. And they checked her and Mandy was four centimeters dilated, mm. four out of 10. For those of you who don't know what the correct answer is, she was almost halfway. And that's great. Four out of 10 is better than the last Jedi got. Yeah. Better than a lot of movies get. Not even in Rotten Tomatoes. It's always movies with you, Wade. How many more are you stealing? <laughs> well, I gotta be ready for the next episode. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So for about 10 minutes, the epidural is working. Uh, everything is fine. And then 10 minutes goes by and Manny starts to feel kind of funky. Remember I said that drugs tend to be have a very strong effect on her. Uh, she starts to feel kind of weird. And suddenly, you'll never guess what started to happen. Uh, the baby started having another extended bout of deceleration. Mm. Come on, James. Deceleration two. <laughs> deceleration three. 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 The decelerating. Deceleration three. The slowening. <laughs> so, so slow. It was the slowest it had ever been. This oh, decel no. was so bad that it dipped under 20 beats per minute at some point. It didn't go into single digits, but it dipped even lower than previously. And this time it got worse kind of quickly. Everyone rushes back in. All the nurses are back. The anesthesiologist is back and she's all, oh shit, what did I do? Because it started where, you know, after the epidural started happening. And Manny keeps feeling like worse and worse. The baby's heart rate keeps edging lower and Manny keeps feeling worse. At one point, Manny was in so much, I don't know if it was pain, but it was like distress and discomfort and everything. The doctors were asking her questions, trying to gauge, you know, what she's feeling, what's happening. She couldn't even respond. She heard them 
talking to her, but she could not like focus and get her mind together enough to give them a response to the question. And so the doctor asked, it was like, uh, you know, where, where does it hurt? How, how much out of 10, how much is your pain? And she would look at them and then she couldn't speak. And they were kind of like, Hmm. So a lot of pain, probably interesting. Interesting. Is that normal? Uh, no, I don't think it is. Uh, the epidural is supposed to not do that. Uh, but anyway, what they think happened after everything cleared up and I sort of talked to them for a second is that the epidural did what it was supposed to, but also somehow it accelerated her contractions. Remember, she was having almost constant contractions because of the medicine they gave her initially. Well, at this point, the contractions were just actually constant. She was just contracting like 100% of the time. It wasn't stopping. They gave her medicine, a drug that's supposed to stop contractions from happening, specifically. No effect whatsoever. And this, this was going on a long time. And they kept watching, and it got to that point where the doctors were kind of talking to me and trying to explain to Mandy, we might have to do an emergency C-section. You know, if we do that, we're going to rush you out of the room, all that same stuff. Uh, and at this time, it just kept getting worse, and everyone kept getting more stressed, and they were like, can we give her this? Like, no, we already gave her that. Can we try this? I tried that before. It didn't work. To this point, all the medical people had been super calm. You know, they were working very with purpose. But they were all calm and they were like, all right, we're going to do this. We're going to try this. We're going to. But it got to the point where even the nurses and the doctors were kind of like, do this right now. See if she responds to this. No response. Okay, we need to try. Like, it was escalating. And I could tell from the mood that it was escalating. And the doctor, at one point, the doctor just looked over at me and was like, we have to do it. And then looked at the group and was like, emergency C-section. Let's go. It was like a tornado of activity. They gathered the IV, all the stuff, they unplugged the things, they moved the bed, whoosh, out of there. And I am left standing in a room by myself. Well, they just rushed my wife and baby out of the room to an operating room to start an emergency surgery. And I just stood there for a second. Kind of shocked, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I'm shocked. Though They got... That was so fast. Yeah. From the doctor saying the words to me alone, completely in a silent room maybe 20 seconds everything just pull the plug get the thing roll the bed get out of here we're gone we're moving it's crazy i can't believe mandy and the baby put you through this it turns out uh, someone's at fault and we'll get to uh, that oh i can't wait till that chapter uh-huh oh interesting it's not me right it's not you <laughs> i would be amazed if somehow it was you <laughs> Do you have a friend named Wade? Because this is all his fault. I do, actually. I knew it. Points for Wade for predicting the future. Yes, is it his but fault? Also, it's his fault? But you lose those points for it being your own fault. <laughs> <laughs> do I need to get legal counsel for this? Yeah, actually. You should have received a uh, received service at this point. If oh, someone a knocks at your door asking for Mr. Barnes, definitely answer it and confirm who you are, who they're looking for, before you do anything else. Okay, I'm going to trust you on that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, but yeah, so I'm left alone in the room, and at that point... I wasn't really sure what was going to happen because normally the father can be there if they want to be uh, for like the birth of a baby, right? If it's a if it's a natural birth, I'm holding Mandy's hand, you know, very stereotypical. Even if it's a C-section, I'm allowed to be in there. They put up a drape or whatever, and I'm allowed to sit by Mandy, the top half of Mandy, and hold her hand while they do the thing because she they don't make you go unconscious. Mandy is totally conscious during the C-section in this story, which must feel pretty freaking weird. <laughs> But yeah, I didn't really know what was going on. And then at some point after they were all gone, a nurse just came and brought me some scrubs and was like, put these on and then we're going to put you in like a place to wait. And if there's time, they'll bring you into the operating room, maybe. Oh. And so I did that and she walked me over to this room, which was uh, the recovery room where they were going to bring everyone 
after a successful surgery, hopefully. And I was put in there alone. And I swear to God, it felt like an hour. Normally, you know, that sound, sounds like a stressful situation, probably. And maybe a very upsetting situation. Telling the story, that's like how I feel. I still feel pretty upset about this. At the time, it escalated from me being worried, upset, anything like that, to like rage. Like I was going to fight God if he came and tried to take Mandy or the baby away or whatever. I don't know. I was in that room clenching my fists, thinking and saying stuff that is burned indelibly into my memory and that I would never in a million years have thought that I would say or do or even think. I want so badly for someone to have come in here and be like, see, I told you I'd be okay. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah, the doctor examined uh, Mandy's uh, cervix and I was like, I don't think it's big enough for a baby to get through there. And the doctor was like, oh, yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> and I forgot there was a pipe under there and just wow. <laughs> so they pulled the baby through and all I hear is shunk, whoosh. <laughs> water's going everywhere. There's gotta be some kind of shutoff somewhere. You'll find it. Yeah. <laughs> See, I told you. Can you hold this for a while? I gotta go get some. <laughs> just pinch it shut. <laughs> No, you want to uh, stitches or put a bandaid on this? No, you just hold it. Just kink it, kink it over. It'll stop. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to detract from clenched fist Bob. Just reminded me of when that dude said that to you. I appreciate that, actually, because I wasn't sure if I'd be able to tell this part of the story and keep it together. But, like, this was the actual worst part. I was in a room, an empty room, and the lights were off. It was like, you know, it was like emergency lighting only or whatever by myself. It was probably more like 15 or 20 minutes. It felt like forever. I wasn't sure what was happening. If it was bad that it was taking a long time because something bad had happened or if it was good and they were just busy. I had no idea. No one came and updated me. At some point, some poor nurse or somebody came through and was just like doing their job looking. You know, they came in and were like, ah, I need this thing. And, uh, and they saw me and I must have shot them just the craziest fucking glare that I can't imagine because of what I was thinking and saying in my head. Um, but that is and hopefully will remain the worst 10, 20 minutes of my entire life. I don't know how to express what I was making promises to God and and any God that would listen. I was I was making, you know, bold claims about what I would change my whole life. I was doing all the most cliched things, right? Where I was just like, I would give anything to even know if it's okay or not in that operating room to make sure that they come back. If one of them doesn't come back, what is going to happen? All this stuff, all the possibilities were racing through my head. It was really awful in like a very angry way because all I wanted to do was rush out of there, find the room where they had her and go in and see what the hell was going on. But I had to wait because I didn't know where they were and, and they were going to get me once it was okay, once it was time for me to go in the room. And I couldn't, you know, I didn't want to bust in there and mess it up because then it's my own fault. Uh, but that was just an insane time. I've never felt like that in my entire life. No amount of anger or rage or sadness has ever risen to that level and it was really unexpected sort of went into this whole day expecting it to be a lot of boring waiting around and and mandy being in pain and me bringing her you know whatever i could and trying to help this was not when we got to the hospital mind you about 
10 hours before that moment of me in that room. This was not an option that existed because there was no reason to expect the Manny was perfectly healthy. The baby was healthy. Everything was chill. There was no reason to expect that it would deteriorate into an emergency C-section at midnight in the middle of the night when, you know, the staff isn't even necessarily full. They called in nurses from other areas to come help. It was crazy. And I'm sure other people have experienced worse than that in terms of, you know, hospital situations, life and death situations. I hope that anyone listening and that you guys never have to be in that situation. You said it was like 20 or 30 minutes of waiting, which doesn't sound like a lot, but that is like when every second your heart's racing and you're panicked, that is such a long time. I remember during the Drowned Man saga when I found water dripping out of an air vent and I went upstairs, saw water pouring out of the fan and the ceiling light and my thought was Molly drowned in the tub. And it was about five seconds of feeling that, you know, however long it takes to run up a staircase, five, ten seconds of feeling that. And that felt like an eternity. I cannot imagine that on the minutes to ten minutes to whatever, half an hour type scale. That is a long time to be feeling that. Yeah, I sort of lost the point of what I was getting at, I guess. But it's for me, this is the most unforgettable, life-changing part. Well, maybe holding my son for the first time. But who cares about that? It, it was an experience that definitely changed the way I feel about I don't know, life, being alive, staying alive. And I will say in that moment, I also wish that we had done every little tiny thing that was available to us uh, while Mandy was pregnant so that could have changed that outcome even the slightest little bit. Because there's all this stuff. When when a woman gets pregnant, there's all these rules. And, you know, you can't eat sushi and can't have caffeine and all this sort of stuff. Those might be obvious, maybe not to some people, guys who don't know how this works, like I didn't at the start of it. But there's all this little stuff where it's like, you know, you shouldn't lay in certain positions. You should take this, you know, make sure you're taking your vitamins, take these things. Do There's all these hundreds of things you can do at any moment. And it got to a point where it wasn't just like I was like, but that's stupid. Got to a point where Mandy was like, I don't have energy for this. Like, I want to be, we want to be the best parents possible. And she did everything she could. Like, it's not like she was ignoring, you know, obvious and helpful things. But it got to a point where how, how, how much will this help versus I'm exhausted because I'm pregnant. And I was just like, man, I wish we had done everything we possibly could. I didn't realize this could be this crazy. Because I always sort of imagined emergency C-sections were like, you know, you're in a car accident or something, something crazy happens and it precipitates, you know, something where the mother's in danger, the baby's in danger, and they're like, we got to get him out now. This baby needs to come out. Uh, but I didn't think it would just happen out of nowhere. And, you know, I guess that's always possible. Medical complications can just happen, but it really had never crossed my mind. And I don't think it crossed Manny's minds either. But eventually, after what felt like forever and saying and thinking and doing things I never thought in my lifetime I would. A nurse came and got me and brought me to the operating room. And right as we were walking in, I was expecting to see, you know, them doing surgery and on Mandy and hopefully our baby, whatever, being held by a nurse. As we're walking in, she's like, right as we got into the operating room, uh, the baby on his own for no apparent reason came out of it and his heart rate went back to normal. So we didn't do the C-section yet. We've been preparing the you know surgical field. We've been getting ready. We're going to still do the C-section, but it's not emergent anymore. And so you're going to get to be there before they start. I got to sit there with Mandy and hold her hand while they were doing it. And it's incredibly lucky. I don't know what would have happened if it played out differently and if anything bad happened. I honestly can't imagine because I was surprised at what I was thinking, just waiting to hear the news. Uh, but it turned out fine, which was really... <laughs> 
jarring and shocking because I was, you know, expecting any of the worst things I could imagine to be what would really happen there. I walked in, Mandy was on the table. They had given her a bunch of drugs, obviously, so that she didn't feel the surgery, but she was still conscious. And I sat down and said hi, and it was all right. She was really drugged up trying to stay awake, but she was awake for it. And they just started the surgery. Oh, I even forgot. As I was walking in, I saw them starting the first incision, which was another thing I never thought I would see. Oof. Yeah. I, I walked through the door and they had, it was like a TV show. The doctor was there with her hand on Manny's belly and it was like scalpel and took it and just started slicing the slice on the outside of Manny. And I was like, oh, take me to the other side. Holy fuck. <laughs> what the hell? You got in there and they were just like, no, no, no. We got to yeah. show off our skills. It's like when someone walks into the kitchen when they're cooking. <laughs> It's like a hibachi grill. He tosses it up in the air and catches it in his head. <laughs> he flipped Impress him. <laughs> cheer him up. He's probably really stressed out. This will cheer him up. Pulls out the sake bottle for you. Yeah. I squirted it in my mouth. He cuts up the placenta. He's like, all right, all right, open. Open wide. <laughs> Goes to the back of the room. Ah, king. Oh, I missed. Uh, yeah. So I didn't want to see that, but I only saw it for a little bit of a moment. That's burned into my memory too, but for like completely different reasons. Watching someone cut into your wife with a scalpel is weird and concerning, even when you totally understand what's happening. Mm. But uh, yeah, they, they start doing that. And I cannot imagine what it must feel like to be a woman giving birth and to be awake and conscious, even if you can't feel it, but to be awake and conscious while people are cutting into you and removing a huge baby from your deepest inside areas it's not like they're cutting off a mole or something it was weird yeah like i sat on mandy's side of the thing and it was like it was almost like a cartoon you know where they do the surgery and there's like car maintenance noises and there's like things flying around and it's like <laughs> like it was like that oh. <laughs> it was weird man i don't know what mandy felt i hope she didn't feel anything she didn't complain about it but it was wild you said she was talking at this point she was no longer like unable to speak she was able to speak and communicate normally yeah i mean it's like she was really drowsy she could talk gotcha. okay she was just trying to stay awake she was just really sleepy mm -hmm. and yeah so this isn't like a funny story like the fridge or anything and i don't really it's not i try to like make some funny moments you guys are helping with that but I just felt like I had to share that as the worst part of my life that's happened so far, which probably is lucky for me. I know it was an awful experience. I still can't think about it because it makes me incredibly upset. It brings back a lot of feelings, but I'm sure that compared to some people's lives, it could be way worse. So, And the, the punchline that I've already given away because I told you all that we brought him home and he's fine is that we have a baby. They got him out. We heard him scream for the first time, which was pretty, pretty wild. And then we saw him get passed over the curtain to a nurse and brought to a warming table. They examined him. He was moving his arms and legs. They said he was fine. He handed him to me and I uh, held him up next to Mandy's face so she could see him. And they started wrapping up the surgery. They started uh, suturing up her incision and whatever they do to finish that. And that was it for the part that preceded giving birth that was the end of that it was a crazy roller coaster it involved several moments that i thought would be the worst part of my life and then it kept escalating and i don't know i guess i just feel like i wanted to talk about it because for anyone else who's who's having a baby or has had a baby i'm curious how normal that is is that do you is it normally like a joyous thing where the mom is in pain but ever the whole time you're like it's worth it there will be a baby when you do this or is it it's an insanely stressful uh, like life-changing experience in the other way that i had it 
Nobody, nobody talked about that. There's a lot of stuff involving pregnancy and having a baby that I feel like people did not accurately describe or people just didn't talk about. But maybe we just had a really wild pregnancy. Well, Mandy had a really wild pregnancy. I watched. I mean, I know. Oh, no, you go. We, I'm speaking from ignorance, so I, oh, do it. You, I yield the floor. I know from my mom's perspective, raising the kids was the worst part of her pregnancy. So I think normally um, I don't have an answer. <laughs> <laughs> you made the right choice, Mark. You let the one who knows go first. Yes. All right, fair enough. I was really glad you set the table and made it look like I really knew what I was going to talk about there. So thanks, buddy. <laughs> All, all I know is from my mom's story, which she has repeated to me at length, at least a few times a year about my own birth, which was traumatic in a, in a way that much like you described, um, she didn't have to get a C-section, um, but it was still just like, it seemed like even less care was applied. It, she didn't have kind of like the attentive care and she can attribute that to like being a foreigner. Um, she thinks that was like, there was also a language barrier. And so it was very difficult for her to get the kind of care she needed, which also led her to want to become a nurse. So she actually was a nurse in labor and delivery. She was a labor and delivery nurse. So she did that because she didn't like how little care she felt she got. And she wanted to make sure that other people got the level of care she desired but it's exactly described Every, everyone in there like the nursing staff probably were very attentive and cared as much as they could anyway given that people are probably running in being like i need a, to know what's going on in this room in two seconds because there's a crisis so uh, information needs to be exchanged pretty quickly and then you know like when to make the call and the doctors with one foot in the door one foot out like and then um uh, like i i just think some people probably have a relatively normal quote unquote birth some people have a terrible time i don't know i'm a man i can't speak for any of this yeah i don't know how it feels to you but like you guys might be listening to me and be like oh he's been through it now he knows how it works no the fuck i don't mm -hmm. as a man it all feels very alien and it feels really weird to me how some people public figures politicians can just speak about something like pregnancy or issues surrounding pregnancy or women's health more generally and feel like they have any idea or authority to say anything about it because it is wild mm. and man is it feel like you're on the outside the whole time as a man with the doctors and and everything that happens and it's crazy so even though i was there and technically i went through that in my capacity i still feel the same way that it's wild it is such a crazy ride. Mm. I wonder how many teams they have of like the doctor nurse combo that like rushed in whenever the deceleration happened. Is it like a room of like people just wearing their bands like on the start track and like a whistle blows and they take off and whoever gets in the room first gets to claim that room? Uh, kinda. The way that it seemed to work is there was the floors were divided into sections. The way that hospital was laid out, it was kind of like half and half. There was a nurse's station on each side of the floor. So they seem to be responsible for the rooms on their side. And then there were like five to seven nurses who sort of hung around the nurse's station and they each had their own patients they were caring for. So we had, you know, the shift would change, but we had the same nurse for like the whole shift. And then when they got off and the new nurse started working, they would like introduce us to the new nurse who's going to be like our nurse and tell her what's happening and make sure she knows. And then, but when something happened, any nurse that was available in that area just seemed to rush to the room. And the doctors were like hanging around. They had other, I don't know, they weren't always there, but they were like on call. And it seemed like there were, I guess, three total doctors on call for the whole maternity floor or whatever. 
and they all showed up every time it started to happen. So they called in like anyone who was available who worked in this area, basically. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I guess it was pretty serious. I don't know if they always do that for anything that happens, but the deceleration stuff was... They didn't fuck around. Even when it was before they called the cavalry, the first nurse was kind of like waiting for the right moment to call. She just had to do her first couple things to try and fix it on her own. Yeah, so... So then we had a baby. And uh, if you think that ended the traumatic stuff, <laughs> boy, did it not. The real worst, worst part. Oh, no. no. Well, so for me, the worst part was definitely in the room. But then after you have the baby, they take you... Well, they brought Manny into recovery, and she was okay. She was awake, not in a lot of pain, even though she had a huge you know, incision in her belly and then in her internal her muscles and her uterus and whatever. She was okay. And then they sent us over to the other wing, which is like the recovery wing, where you hang out with your new baby in a room, and they watch everybody and make sure the baby's healthy and that mom's recovering and everything's good. This wing had a bunch of rooms, and a lot of them had doors open. And they all looked like pretty normal rooms. Nothing crazy. A little smaller than the other ones, but they looked like hospital rooms. They took us over here, and they were sort of rolling Mandy's bed, and I was rolling the bassinet with the baby in it, very carefully. And we passed a bunch of rooms, and finally they came to a door kind of near the end of the hall, and that was the one we were going into. And it has to be the smallest hospital room I've ever seen in real life or otherwise. It was so small, they couldn't fit all the equipment inside the room like they were supposed to. I don't know why any of the other empty rooms that all looked perfectly fine weren't available, but I swear to God, they put us in a closet instead of a hospital room. And uh, nothing bad happened. I just don't understand why they had such a small room. The problem was they couldn't fit the, the heart rate monitor for Mandy in the room and the IV machine so they could give Mandy fluids. Or if you did have those both in there, then you couldn't open the door to the bathroom very wide. Hmm. But, you know, it's just, it was weird. They could have given us any room on the whole floor. There was a lot of empty rooms. Maybe I insulted someone. I don't know. Uh, but this point started what was probably the worst part for Mandy. And I didn't experience this. So this is, you know, I, I was there. And I was trying to help, and I, I was taking care of the baby as much as I could and stuff. But this is really Mandy's story, and this is like a big thing. Another big thing that um, neither of us really understood the seriousness of it. Um, but so Mandy physically was okay. We got into the recovery room. Her incision was all right. Her pain was okay. She was doing okay. There were some side effects and stuff, and they were treating them. And physically, like, from the C-section recovery, in terms of that, she was doing fine doing all right, trying, you know, got up and started walking eventually. And the thing that was not okay was that they kept trying to give her pain medicine and all these other, well, not a lot, but a couple other medicines to help treat her side effects, her pain, whatever. And the combination of the medicine that they were trying to treat her with, including, and especially I think the painkillers with her hormones and what her body was doing chemically inside of itself created such a crazy storm of what i think is fair to say is like postpartum panic disorder i don't know if that's an official term i think it is but she could not sleep and she had random bouts of just extreme like fight or flight adrenaline responses and it kept making her blood pressure spike which was concerning to the doctors mm -hmm. you know so they'd come and look and they would come and take her measurement and it'd be super high and blood pressure off the chart not a good sign and then they'd be there and the doctor would talk to her for 10 minutes whatever and by the end her blood pressure would be totally back to normal it was a purely physically 
triggered like emotional panic attack from the mix of hormones and painkillers and everything that she had been receiving and that they were bumping into her. And it was to the point where one time she had a really bad spike in her blood pressure. She was feeling like she was going to have a heart attack. She was feeling terrible. And she looked at me and was like, I'm going to die. Jesus. I just want to tell you that I love you. Take care of our son. I'm dying right now. Good God. And it was not... I mean, I'm sure she was emotional. This was a crazy time. But this was not like an emotional thing. Like she's having negative thoughts and got into some kind of cycle. It was a physically triggered panic attack that made her sincerely feel like she was going to die. She still, even now, has said that like she doesn't think that was unreasonable. That she remembers how it felt. And that it felt completely out of her control. And that it felt like she sincerely thought she was actively dying. That she was about to just kick it. And this was another thing that we had heard about. You hear about postpartum depression and, and postpartum anxiety. This is a common thing that happens to people, women who give birth. But the extent to which this was, was causing her physical symptoms. Her blood pressure going so high could have caused a stroke or an aneurysm or, or whatever. It could have caused serious medical complications purely from this hormonal like physical body chemistry response that she was having. And she she wanted me, this is very personal and very vulnerable, and she wanted me to talk about this because she was completely unprepared for how it felt and that that was a possibility either. Manny has dealt with anxiety in her life. Grad school was very stressful. She's had, you know, she's had a lot of stress and she can be a stressy person. She like She's a perfectionist and she, you know, she stresses about things. She thought she had, you know, experienced anxiety and had coping tools. You know, you can learn how to manage anxiety, how to try and distract yourself, bring yourself out of it before you spiral and spiral down and it gets worse and worse. She thought she knew what that was, but according to her account of all of this, this was a whole other thing entirely. If this is what a real serious full-on panic attack is like, it's unlike any emotional anxiety she's ever dealt with. I mean, she just told me, I was like, do you want me to talk about that? I can leave that out. And she was like, I think you should talk about it both so that, you know, you can tell the story and everything that happened. It was horrible for her, but it was also stressful for me. Having your wife, your significant other, whatever, look you in the eye and sincerely say, I am dying. I love you. Goodbye. Without, you know any doubt or or jokingness or even you know the, the drama of just you can you know they're being overly dramatic about whatever that was a surreal experience and uh yeah so it's she, she was like and also because i want people to know this is possible that when when women talk about postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety or panic it can be serious shit it can be such a strong emotional experience that it causes real physical symptoms to come into you know to cause things that could give you a heart attack or a stroke or whatever it was a serious threat to her life and it felt like there was nothing we could do about it because it was so overwhelming and it was so real no matter how you know i don't think there was any reason she was dying except that her blood pressure was going up because she was feeling so panicked but it was it was real even though it was purely from you know from her own body and her own brain chemistry manifesting in her experience it was crazy shit so that postpartum stuff that is way more serious than i ever thought it could be i'll say that was the last terrible thing that happened um <laughs> finally but like that was an experience that neither of us expected even remotely i did not think that was possible yeah that is and it's it's good to talk about because i i think so many people don't talk about it because they think it's either weird or unrelated but you know 
man, I can't imagine. I can't imagine and I'll never experience it. So it's one of those things where all I can do is listen. Yeah. Yeah, I I can't either. I, that's such a difficult thing to imagine going through. I'm glad everyone's okay and that it turned out all right. But in that moment, like after everything you guys had been through, having her like basically say her farewells and her wishes, like I that would destroy me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that whole, the sequence in the hospital, that was a summary of kind of what happened, but that happened over the course of four days following her C-section where I, she had a big bed. I had a chair to sleep in, but neither of us could get any sleep. She couldn't sleep because of the, the panic stuff just kept happening, kept coming in waves. And then I was trying to take care of the baby and it was like, I couldn't sleep. She couldn't sleep. And then at some point, our parents would come in during the day and I would go take a nap so that I could at least get some sleep and be there overnight to make sure that Mandy's okay and the baby's okay. She went for almost three straight days with no sleep, which probably made all of the symptoms and the panic stuff way worse. But like, it was wild. The whole hospital experience after the C-section is like, is like a quasi-dream, very surreal experience all in itself. But yeah, I mean, I guess just to say, and this is maybe showing my own uh, shitty side of myself, but I have known a lot of people and I've heard a lot of talk about mental health and people struggling with anxiety and, and panic attacks. And I had always kind of felt like, yeah, well, a panic attack does sound hard, but you know, you just got to learn how to deal with it, right? How bad can it be? It's just some, pa you're just panicking. You just need to calm down. And not to say I dismiss anyone's experience, but like I, I had always sort of thought I knew what a panic attack was and and that you know that can be hard for people to deal with the type of thing that mandy experienced is a whole other kind of level and it gave me a new respect for and, and reaffirmed my appreciation for the idea that you cannot judge or even think to understand what another person's mental health might be like for them for their experience there's a wide range of experience beyond like oh i'm a little anxious oh i'm panicking because of you know whatever's happening there's a lot of physical stuff to it, body chemistry, brain chemistry, whatever. There's a lot that you can never know about another person's experience. And for pregnant women and or postpartum women, there's a list of all kinds of stuff that can happen. But for anyone, if you have, you know, if you have the right body circumstances, whatever needs to happen in your brain or body, for anyone to assume they know how you feel or what it feels like for you when you're having a mental health crisis is a bold assumption. I will never again look at someone who's dealing with mental health issues and think, I know what they're dealing with. It's not that bad. They can handle it. It was in a wild experience. Completely changed my perspective. And I thought I was a pretty understanding person before that. But like, you just can't know what's happening inside another person's head. And uh, I'm sure a lot of our listeners already knew that or already had that appreciation. But this was a, an experience for me that dramatically opened my eyes to how wide the range of experience is for different people in different situations. So again, Mandy wanted me to not leave that out and that's very vulnerable and personal, but it can happen. She dealt with that for three or four days. She is still dealing with that. Oh God. So it's much more manageable now. It got to a point where it was more like maybe once or twice a day, she would have the panicky feelings come from hormones or whatever it was. And she would, she could deal with them more. They're not as intense, but for four straight days in the hospital, it was like inescapable and you know all day all night that panic attack feeling and for a couple weeks after we got home she continued to have it where you know, once a day maybe not maybe once twice a day 
she would have that same thing or it was a full-on attack she would be afraid you know she woke up and i had taken the baby to the other room to like just take hold him or feed him or whatever she would be afraid he was dead that he was gone she would wake up in a full panic have no idea what's happening and uh it's better now it's been over a month now since he was born just over a month but it's better than it was but she still has the same panicky uh, feelings that just come on they're just less intense as her hormones and stuff are changing i guess they're not doing the same thing they were but it's been a long postpartum experience uh for mandy and it's been very rough mm, damn sounds like the entire ordeal has been really hard on her like from start to finish yeah for about oh, almost nine months maybe more like eight months now eight and a half it's been pretty rough not able to eat food extremely nauseous Throwing up every day, multiple times a day, all day, not being able to drink enough water to stay hydrated, and then all the stuff that happened around the birth. None of that is how I thought getting uh, pregnant and having a baby would be for her or for me. Not to play the victim, because I'm fine. So I mostly was an observer, <laughs> but it's wild. So when's the next coming? Well, they say she'll be healed up enough in like three or four months to do it again, and I think we should jump right back into it. <laughs> I mean, I don't see why not. All the kids, that's what I say. Eight kids, 12 you kids. baker's dozen, right? <laughs> I want to need two cars to go out to dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get the oldest one to drive the youngest ones. Yeah, that's the way. Mm-hmm. Some people have such a smooth pregnancy that they, like, miss being... I know people that miss being pregnant. They enjoyed being pregnant so much. <laughs> you can't imagine that. I, that sounds so, yes, like, unbelievably, yeah. like, not possible after listening to your story. Yeah, well, I don't even want to see a baby for the next month just after hearing your story, yeah. much less. I don't even know if there is such a thing as an easy pregnancy. I think, like, even saying that is probably a misnomer. They, they handle it well, but still. Yeah, it's a hard and traumatic experience for... Any woman who has a baby, no matter how smoothly it goes, but uh, I had no idea it could be so bad. Yeah. There's a miraculously large number of ways that the woman can be made to suffer all thanks to the baby and or just being pregnant and what her own body does to try and adjust to the pregnancy and get ready for a baby. It's a real unfair experience, speaking as the father. <laughs> I feel like I watched Mandy suffer for about nine months and then I watched Mandy really suffer for about eight hours and then I watched Mandy be rushed away and have and worried if she was going to live or not for a little bit. Then I watched her deal with the aftermath of all that while she was also feeding a baby every three hours from her own body. And, uh, you know, yeah, I, I was just there. I was fine. I didn't feel <laughs> sick or nothing. I mean, it was, it was traumatic for me, but like, and as much as like, that's the worst moment of my life. And, and especially in that room waiting to find out what was happening in the operating room. It feels unfair from my perspective to even complain about that <laughs> given that that was all happening to Mandy, that she was the one who might've died. She was the one who grew the baby that might be in peril that might have died and all of that. How could anything be so bad for me that I have any right to complain? No, as no, compared no. To Mandy's body did you know? this to you. Yeah, well. She put you through this. Yeah, you lost sleep. Don't forget You know that. whose fault this is. Hmm? Yours for it's... getting her pregnant? Well, hey, Colin, no, that's not. That's too oh, far back. Sorry, sorry. Right, okay, okay. Uh, so it turns out that all of the pre-birth stuff was actually the baby's fault. Oh, yeah. Oh, we forgot well, it's the well. baby's fault. Yeah. So it's his own fault, you stupid baby i uh, apparently what had happened was he got really excited or something when we went to the hospital he was totally fine before that but at some point in the hospital he did a bunch of spinning around for whatever reason <laughs> Yippee! 
<laughs> Wahoo! He tied his own umbilical cord around his neck. Mm. Oh. So that's why every time there was a contraction and he got squeezed, the cord around his neck also got squeezed, and he was a little bit suffocating. Hmm. Or whatever. It was bad. He did it himself! The same thing happened to Molly. She had her umbilical cord wrapped around her neck, too. Same, same thing. That's terrifying. Yeah, so we found that after everything settled, the doctor sort of talked to us at some point and was like, yeah, his cord was wrapped all around his body and it was wrapped really tight around his neck. That's probably why he was having such trouble in being in there hanging out because of the thing strangling him. Turns out having a jump rope in there to get a head start on your athletic career isn't the best idea for babies. Yeah, not worth it. You should start them off with a balance ball. Can't hurt yourself with a balance ball. That's what I say. Mm-hmm. Can't You're they right. replace the umbilical cord with one of those, like, no kink hoses instead? You're right. <laughs> <laughs> At first I was like, there's no way this sentence could possibly be good. And then you land it. You stuck the landing. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you know, you'd think they would have worked on that. Or just, just like a pipe. You know, you can't, can't wrap a pipe around your neck. That's true. It's too pipey. Well, after all the plumbing issues we've had, I could help you build a pipe next time. Just give me a call. I'll get some PVC ready. Just need more mud. <laughs> no. Just needs a bit more mud. <laughs> yeah, this baby's fine. He just needs a little bit more mud. Yeah. Oh, your water broke early. Let me patch that up with some mud. <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot about water breaking. Uh, anyway, that was a real lighthearted romp of an episode, I know, but... I can't wait to see who won! <laughs> uh, technically... Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Let me tally the points here. Uh, no, it's not it, James. This is all his fault. It looks like the winner of this episode, where there was a lot of contestant participation, uh, with two points, is Wade. What? Oh! I win? Wait a minute, are those the two points from the very beginning of this episode? Yeah, those are the only two points that oh. I actually really... Oh, no, again, didn't I give you two, but then take two away? So that's sort of zeroed out. I think you gave it to Wade, so you, you, uh, he would well, be even He would have won, but he instead he wins. Uh, right. Well, you should have had a better... I don't know. Uh, you, you never stood <laughs> a chance, Mark, let's be honest. You should have just been better. This seems unfair. Uh, 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 subreddit, defend me! Uh, rebel no, against no, this no, injustice! No. <laughs> this is my time, and that's my subreddit. It's the Distract the Wade Reddit. We did all you, know this. Did you know they still count the wins you deducted from me as like the overall score? Yeah. <laughs> the big chart. That's canon. It's barely... Oh, it's a new year and I'm hosted next. I can do it again. Oh, oh my yeah. once a year power. You're right. <laughs> well, thanks guys for just letting me completely hijack an episode. I'm sorry it wasn't as riotously funny as the last time we did this, but mm -hmm. I think considering what you went through, we got more laughs than we probably should have. And I just want to say I am so sorry you guys went through that. Genuinely, yeah. I hope everything is smooth sailing from this point forward for you all. And I hope nobody else has to go through anything that bad or forbid worse. Mm -hmm. And if you guys need anything, just ask. Not not talking to the audience. You guys, yeah, stay out of this. Yeah, you, you guys don't mean anything. We care about <laughs> Mandy and Bob. No, not James. James caused all this. I know, he's a jerk. It's his own fault, really. Mm -hmm. That guy. I can't wait till he gets a job and starts contributing. I know, right? There's child labor laws, but there, are there baby labor laws? <laughs> I don't think might so. Might be a loophole. All right, let's... <laughs> Sounds like a good loophole to me. But yeah, and thanks, thanks for letting me talk about it. It kind of felt good to talk about it. I'm a little sad now, but everyone's fine. So in the present, it is actually okay, despite how everything went. Uh, and thanks, listeners, for listening. I don't know if you're going to get anything out of this story unless you're having a baby or thinking about it. I'm not sure. 
Hopefully something happened when you felt a connection to some part of the story, because it's a lot of crazy, scary stuff. But uh, So much of it, I think, is hard to even imagine going through until you go through it, like you said. Yeah, I really wasn't prepared. I thought we were just going to hang out, and then the, man, it would, there would just be a baby, and they'd be like, PUSH! And then they'd, and they'd be like, WHAM! And then we'd uh, have a baby. Mm. I thought there would be yeah, a great flood, some pushing, and a baby. Uh, but next week, Wade will be hosting, and it'll be funny. I listen. Let's not set the bar. Got any sad stories you want to tell? This is a sad story podcast. Now. Go sad. All this year we get sadder and sadder every episode. I will walk through the entire my memory of my dad dying next week. Uh, oh, buckle up. It's a God. it's a real fear jerker. Can I jump in with that one too? Oh yeah, let's do it. Oh, dual you guys host. can both host. Yeah, you know what? Let's, let's, we'll script it. I'll let you win, and then the next week you can tell your dad's story. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well. New year, new distractible. Now we're decidable. Mm-hmm. I know you feel like a winner, Wade. Do you have a winner speech? Um, man, I feel like I really deserve this subreddit. You've been yelling, and finally your answers are being heard. Really want to shout out, well, me for having to listen to the story and all the pain it put me through. Mm-hmm. So please pity me for having to live through Bob and Mandy's tough time by having to hear the story. It was a really tough hour and 30 minutes or whatever for me. So thank That's you guys point. for your for your pity. Good speech. Good speech. And Mark, I'm not going to say you're the loser because that feels unfair. Oh, uh, but do you have a non-winner speech? Do you have uh, a participant speech? Just uh, for everyone out there, know that like all of this is experiences that everyone goes through, or not everyone goes through, but a lot of people go through, and they bear it with dignity and grace, but also sometimes they just don't talk about it. So feel free to speak up, you know? You know find someone to talk to, you know, it's you're not suffering in silence, you're not anything like that. Life's hard. Life's real hard sometimes. Keeping life going is very hard. Worth doing, though. I don't know why. I want to throw this out before we end. When you were describing the start of your experience getting to the hospital with security, I pictured babies with like heavy machine guns and like aviators on guarding the hospital ward. And I just want to say that's the imagery I've had in my mind this entire time is all of your movement throughout the hospital is guarded by babies in diapers, like cigars in their mouth and aviators on as the security. You already won, Wade. Save it for the (laughs) next one. I will forget by the time next time rolls around. So I had to share that imagery with the world wow so you're welcome everybody's welcome you should do a tour like that hmm. everybody's hmm. welcome tour hmm. that would never work only if the friends get to come along uh. <laughs> you probably don't know what we're talking about listener if you want to know you should check out uh, our youtube channels and particularly probably marks has the most evidence of the tour that we're discussing but uh youtube.com slash markiplier and other places wade is lord minion 777 online and or minion 777 on twitch and i am Icekerm. it's probably written somewhere so let's try and copy paste that or use the, it's hard to spell but it doesn't really matter make sure you check out our merch at store.startablepodcast.com and uh, you know thanks for listening and like Mark said I think that's a good point Mark uh, you don't have to talk about anything that has happened but I will say doing this episode I think helped me a lot I was kind of afraid to do it it's a very vulnerable thing to do but talking about it helped me process something I feel differently I feel better and if you need someone to talk to you should find someone to talk to friend therapist whomever is appropriate or don't talk about it if you're not ready but everyone goes through things and uh like mark said listen to mark mark did it better that's the end of the episode it'll be funny next week i promise uh, promise it will uh, it can't not be funny next week yeah why wouldn't he pick him as a winner it's that's how it is it's going to be funny. that's the truth it's a fact already we are out of here thanks so much for listening 
podcast out. Thank you for joining us on that emotional roller coaster. But do please remember that sometimes the hardships and horrors can make life taste so much sweeter. Bob now knows the value of his family and will love them all the more for it. So cheer for Mandy and James and gentle listener, love without reservation. Until next week, Undistractable.